kind of we were going about it the wrong way. <clears throat> and we were trying to get faith, and really what we were doing is we were putting ourselves back into legalism and and back into works, and um, we were actually nullifying our faith, and we didn't really realize that we were doing that. And um, but faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and there is a relationship between grace and faith, and uh, it's a beautiful relationship, um, and it, it, it's an awesome thing. But what I what I want to share with you is the evidence of faith is is rest, right? Like when you when you believe that God loves you and God's going to move on your behalf and God's going to change things for you and God's going to help you. How I many you know if you're around someone that you know that you can trust, your heart is filled with rest, right? You know, if you know that you can trust somebody, like the, the, being around someone that you know that you can trust, it, it brings rest to, to your heart. And, you know, when, when you're in a place of faith, um, your heart is going to be in a place of, of rest. And, you know, how many know the world is, you know, and Brian was talking about this too, how many know the world is really trying to, to fill our hearts full of turmoil and unrest and fear? And, um, you know, you're, you're easier to manipulate when you're afraid. Um, you're easier to manipulate, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, the news knows that fear sells. And so any way that they can try to make us afraid... Um, because fearful people will, will try to, they'll, they'll consume uh, that fear message in an attempt to somehow be in control of what's going on, you know? And how um, I many, as the people of God, that, that we're not given a spirit of fear, right? And uh, we're not called to live afraid. Uh, we're not called to, to live in a state of fear, um, we're, we're, we're actually called to do the opposite of that. How many of you know that Scripture declares that, that perfect love drives out fear? And when you start to understand the love of God and you understand how much God loves you and the future that He has for you, how many of you know it starts to drive fear out of your heart and then you enter into a place of rest? And so what I want to encourage, if you're listening to a voice that's encouraging you to be afraid, it's probably not from God. And I say that, you know, not just about the, the media and the, the world, but how many know that the, there's, there are branches of the church that thrives on fear too? People have sold a lot of books in the name of fear. You know? They have. They got rich off of it. You're right. And, you know, and, and, you know someone, you know, you know, you know how, many, how, many, how many times have, we, have people, you know, declared that, you know, that it was going to be the end of the world and, you know, blood moons and this and that and this and that and this and that. Man, people buy that stuff up. And, um, and the next thing you know, that time passes and, you know, the only thing that happened was you made somebody rich, you know. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that, you know, how many know the prophetic is important in the time that we're living in? How many know the prophetic is actually what's delivering the news to us from God? Okay, get an amen. Just like the prophetic was in here today and people were, were sharing and, and everything that happened was prophetic. And basically what the prophetic is, it's, it's the voice of a loving father encouraging and comforting his children. New Testament prophetic primarily is going to encourage, to edify, and to comfort. You know, when my kids hear my voice, it brings comfort to them. You know, if Lily, you know, falls over or something like that, and she's over there, if she can hear my voice, she knows help's coming, right? And so um, just like me as a loving father would comfort my children, that's what the prophetic actually is. The prophetic comes in, to comfort and to encourage, because at the end of the day, how many know we've already won? Two thousand years ago, the victory is solid on the cross. How many know the enemy's already been spoiled? Right? We're not trying to spoil the enemy. We're not trying to defeat the enemy. How many know Jesus defeated him on the cross two thousand years ago? And how many know ultimately we win? Right? How many know this planet was created by our God? Right? And um, it's our planet. Amen. This is this planet. You know, it's a part of your inheritance. And um, and so, when if you're the voices that you're listening to, they should be bringing a sense of rest and peace and trust in your heart, not making you more afraid. There's so many prophecies that happen, like about a you know about a, a year ago or whatever, and and and, and you know, and man, they went they went viral, you know, just 
in the month of November, this is bad's going to happen, this bad's going to happen, this bad's going to happen, this bad's going to happen. Everybody's freaked out and all this stuff, and November came and went, and everything was okay, you know? And so um, I, I don't say, I, I just say that to, the prophetic is very powerful and it's very important, and uh, it is definitely a part of the New Testament church, but how many of us got to be filtered through the finished work of the cross? And I'm not saying there isn't a time when the prophetic can't warn you, because it will. There, there's, there's times in... In, in the New Testament church where um, there's a prophet named Agabus that warned everybody of a famine that was coming. There was a, uh, so, you know, and there, there were prophets that warned Paul about if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be bound. And so I'm not saying that it can't warn you, and, and, and it definitely can, but it's always going to leave you with a sense of hope and rest and trust that God's got this. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on. Give me an amen, please. God's got this, man. And so, and so, um, every, everything that comes from the perspective of the cross and the gospel is going is to bring a sense of rest in your heart, and it's going to drive fear out of you. It's not going to bring fear into you. Now, the fear of the Lord is powerful, and the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring, and it brings a sense of reverence and awe uh, towards the Almighty and towards the Lord, and that's a very healthy thing. But how many know fear of the world is not good? How many know fear of the devil is not good? I mean, no fear of a nation or a country is not good. Fear of anything other than a reverential all towards God is not healthy for you, and it's not what you're created to do. 365 times in the Scriptures, God declares fear not. Why? Because you weren't created to run on fear. Just like your car wasn't created to run on milk. You know, if we go to the fridge and we pull out a gallon of milk and pour it in our car, how I many of our cars not going to run good? Because it wasn't created to run on milk. Well, if you're constantly feeding on fear... And whether that's from a pulpit or from a news station, it's going to clog up your system. And then it, what, it, what it will do is it will confuse your ability to really hear the voice of your father because you're, you're, when it's a fear-based, fear-driven voice, how many know that you can, you can start thinking things that you can start thinking things that are God that really aren't God and is the enemy? God says, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And God's not going to bring fear into your life, fear of the world or fear of the devil, because it's not good for you and it's not how the kingdom operates. I mean, God says you don't have to be afraid. You know, be not afraid, be not dismayed, for I am with you. I am your God. I will uphold you with the right hand of, your, of my righteousness. I mean, oh, God, is, he's going to help you. He's going to be a strength to you. And... Um, we, we live in a day where we need to allow the faith of God that's been given to us as a gift to rise up in our hearts as we hear the message of the gospel to bring us to a place of rest because when everyone else is running crazy and are afraid, I mean, you know, we, we should be a place where people can come to. Um, we can be a, a, a place of refuge and a, a place of safety and a place of haven for people, Right? Because how I many know people should, should ask us of the hope that is within us? If we are just as scared as everybody else, then we're not really operating in the kingdom the way we're called to operate in the kingdom. How I many know the kingdom's not scared? Kingdom is not scared of, uh, of any new variant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The kingdom's not scared of Omicron or, you know, or Omegatron or, or uh, you know, <laughs> which is not. I mean, we're not... We're not called to live in fear. Now, I'm not telling you to be an idiot. And, you know, you operate in wisdom and, and be spirit-led and be wise, you know. But also, don't, don't, don't live in fear and don't, don't give anyone access to your heart to deposit fear inside of you. Don't let anybody do that to you. I don't care who they are. I don't care how well-meaning they are. If the message you're hearing is, living, is leaving you in a place of unrest and fear, it, it's not... The kingdom. The kingdom is always, how many of us the gospel of peace? It's always going to deposit peace on the inside of you, right? How many know God has good plans for you in 2022? He has good plans for you. Yes, He does. Now, is there going to be challenging times? Absolutely. Is there going to be hard things that happen? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a part of living in this earth. Jesus said, you know, you're going to have tribulation in this world. There's going to be challenging times. But how many know that the, the kingdom is operating in an unshakable state even while the world is shaken? Right? 
And that kingdom inside of you is righteousness, peace, and joy. You've received Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? You're right with God. You're just as right with God as Jesus is because you're now in Christ. Christ is in you. You've been given the gift of his righteousness. So when you know that you're right with God, how many know you have peace? Because I know if God's for me, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Right? Um, and, and really, the display of your understanding of the love of God happens during a time of judgment. Herein is my love made perfect that I may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's 1 John chapter 4. Um, when, when the display of my understanding of the love of God will be when judgment and criticism and trying times come upon, try to, try to come against us, right? Uh, because when we know that God loves us and God is for us, I mean, you know, we don't have to be afraid of judgment. We don't have to be afraid of criticism. We don't have to be afraid of trying times. Y'all tracking me here? We can have a sense of peace. We can have a sense of... Um, of, of rest in our hearts, amen? And uh, there's a passage, I can't think of the, the, the exact place, uh, reference point of the passage, but it says, when, when your enemies see that you're not afraid, that shows them their demise, you know? And I can't think of that exact reference point, but how I many know oh, we're to, to operate in peace, man? We're to operate in a place of rest. We're to, to relax and allow that faith to rise up on the inside of us and bring us into a state of rest. And so that's what, what we want in the times that we're living in. And so like I was saying in the beginning, I spent a good portion of my life really trying to get faith. You know, I worked so hard to get faith. I tried to get faith. And uh, yeah, man, we, we just, we did it. So we just, it was crazy. But what I was doing was, you know, and, and, I, and I'll use this as an analogy. I mean, you know, if I'm trying to bring fresh water into my life, like, man, I just need fresh water, you know? And so I'm bringing in water from Cynthia, I'm bringing in water from Paris. I'm bringing in water from New York City. I'm bringing in whatever. But as I'm bringing that water in, if I got a salt shaker and I'm shaking salt on the water the whole time that it's coming in, how many know I'm never going to get fresh water? That's what I was trying to do in, in my uh, trying to grow my faith, not understanding grace. Because the moment that you introduce law, faith is voided. And so I was trying to bring in all of this faith, but um, I was voiding it with law, and I didn't realize that I was doing it. And we'll, we'll take a look at that here in just a second. But Luke chapter 17, and Jesus here is talking about faith. <clears throat> and the apostles are like, man, we need more faith. And, uh, and so Jesus starts talking to them about faith, and he says something very interesting. You hear people quote it all the time. But it says in the apostle, uh, Luke 17, verse 5, it says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And so, you know, they were dealing with the situation. They couldn't get it to change. They were struggling. They're like, increase our faith. And, and I love what the Lord says about faith here. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and plant in the sea and it would obey you. So in their attempt at saying increase our faith, Jesus lets them know, you just need a tiny little bit of faith in order for it to work. How I many of you know mustard seed is a really small seed, right? It's a great example. And so Jesus said, man, if you had faith as small as a, as a mustard seed, then you'd be able you know, to speak in command and you know, great things would happen. How I many you know that, that, that God created this entire world by faith? This entire world was fashioned by word, right? God spoke light into existence. God spoke everything to existence. So everything actually operates on faith. Everything runs on faith. Everything, uh, and how many know even the world understands how powerful belief is? Because they recognize the results. What does the world say? Just believe in yourself, right? Just believe, just believe, just believe. And how many know that belief will accomplish some mighty things? I'm talking about outside of the Lord. I'm not even talking about the kingdom. I'm just talking about if you get someone who believes in themselves, how many know they're going to accomplish greater things than someone who's filled with doubt? Why is that so, Jeremiah? Because everything in this earth operates uh, on faith. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what created everything. So everything responds to believing. Everything. And that's in the natural, and that's in the, the spiritual as well. And so the question is, once again, how do we have faith so that we can overcome? How do we have faith so that we can have rest? How many know if you're believing that God's got your back, then you're not going to be worried about 2022? Right? If you're believing, you're going to be in a place of rest, right? 
And so Jesus says, you know, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he doesn't even address the issue of increasing their faith. He just lets them know you don't need much to get the job done. Now, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, please. And so I've really been studying this. I've been studying faith quite a bit here lately and uh, just looking at it in the Scriptures and just really um, just studying it afresh and anew, you know. How I many you know you can learn certain Scriptures one way, and, and you, but you, you didn't really learn it the right way? And then you have to go back and look at them again because of something else that you've learned. Do you know that that will always happen? You know, you're un- see, once you gain light in one area, it's going to change the way you see another area. Can't get an amen. I mean, that's just how revelation operates. And so me having a greater understanding of grace than what I had 14 years ago, it's actually going to give me a better understanding of faith and certainly a better understanding of love and all of these things, right? But 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, uh, an interesting statement is made. It says, but grow, everybody say grow. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever and amen. So here we see that grace is something that you can grow in. See, but, but, but this is what I'm realizing. If we can get our minds, our hearts established in grace and our minds renewed to grace, then a tiny mustard seed of faith will get great things done because nothing is stopping the mustard seeding and turning it into something else. I hope I'm making this clear. Like, what happens is when we get an understanding of grace, we stop salting our fresh water. I hope, I hope this is clear. Because, like, once again, if I'm trying to bring water in everywhere and I'm constantly salting the water, I'm not going to have fresh water. If I'm trying to bring faith in all the time, but I'm constantly introducing legalism, how I many know I'm never going to have faith? See, the two people in Scripture that had great faith were the people that weren't under law. You can't get away from it. It's amazing. The Gentiles were the ones that had great faith. It was uh, the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman. They were both people that had great faith. They were opposite ends of the spectrum in their social dynamic. One was a Roman soldier, and one uh, was, uh, was basically a mama that was taking care of her child. I mean, you know, those are two opposite ends of the spectrum right here. But, they were, but both people, Jesus said, you guys have great faith. He never said that to his disciples. He never said, y'all got great faith. In fact, he was always like, y'all's faith stinks. <laughs> Right? I mean, basically, that's what Jesus had to say to everybody else. He's like, your face small, your face weak. He said that to everybody, but there were two people, listen to me, that were not Jews. So they had no law disqualifying them from Jesus' amazing grace. And so that little mustard seed was able to roll unhindered, and miracles happened. You know who you never see miracles happen? The people who were under the most law. Pharisees and Sadducees. The Bible talks about it. One time the power of the Lord was there present to heal them and none of them got healed. I mean, you certainly they were sick. Certainly they were weak. Certainly they had challenges. But there was so much legalism on them guys that you couldn't get fresh water to them. You couldn't get... They, they had no faith. Why? Because the moment you introduce earning it, it's no longer a promise. See, how I many you know legalism always puts you in a position of trying to earn things from God? I'm going to earn God's favor. I'm going to earn God's blessing. If I'm good enough, God's going to bless me. If I'm good enough, God's going to heal me. If I'm good enough, God's going to prosper me. If I'm good enough, God's going to protect me. If I'm good enough, if I'm good enough. How I many you know legalism always puts the focus on you? And if the focus is on you, earning it, qualifying for it, how I many you know the focus is not on Jesus? How many know you are not the author and finisher of your faith? How many know that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith? And so when you see Jesus in His amazing grace, faith will rise in your heart and you'll receive. Because you see Jesus as a Savior, not your good behavior as your Savior. Now, I'm not encouraging acting like an idiot. I'm not encouraging bad behavior by saying all these things. 
But what I am saying to you is that everything that comes from God is through His amazing grace. And that means that you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, it's unmerited favor. All you do is believe, stick your fork in, and eat. But the moment you're trying to pick up the tab for something that Jesus' blood paid for, faith is out the window. Salt is entered in, and you, you, and you have no faith. Because you're trying to earn something that's free. It's amazing how, how we've kind of messed this thing up. You can't earn anything from God. If I, if you, how many of you, if you earn something, it's a paycheck? Right? God ain't handing you out paychecks in Scripture. He's handing you a, a gift that was paid for by Jesus Christ that you get for free. Okay, get an amen. There's nothing in this book that's for sale. It's, so, it's way too expensive for you to buy with your money. Your dollar bills mean nothing compared to the blood of Jesus. There is no price tag on the things of the kingdom. Why? Because it's too expensive to buy. It was paid for by the blood. Can I get an amen? Your part is to believe it and to receive it. And so I think we've spent so much time trying to increase our faith, and really what we should be doing is growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How I many you know the more you get to know someone, the more you trust them when they're a good person? How I many you know the more you get to know Jesus the more confident you are that he's going to be good to you on your behalf. See, in legalism, I didn't get to know the Lord. I got to know me laboring in the field. And we all start with Jesus because there's no other way to start. But what happens is legalism removes you from Jesus and tells you go work for him and labor in the field. How many know the, the elder brother did not know the father? He didn't know him at all. He had no idea who he was. Because he did not trust the father's goodness. The younger brother knew the father better because he experienced the gracious goodness of the father in the midst of his own failures. Legalism will remove you from a relationship with the Lord and will cause you to get to know yourself. <laughs> what are you talking about, Jeremiah? I mean, legalism is always about what you're doing. Have you prayed enough? Have you given enough? Have you attended church enough? Have you been nice enough? Have you been kind enough? Have you, have you, have you, have you, have you, have you? How I many of the focus of Christianity is not us? It's Jesus Christ. Thief on the cross was not measuring himself in the balances. Am I good enough to receive Jesus? No, he ain't good enough. Clearly, the man is crucified on the cross. I love the thief's faith. I absolutely love it because there's nothing polluting it. He did no good deeds, he saw a Savior. Faith arose. He said, this man will save me. This is the king. Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Right? When we remove the legalism out of our mind, the relationship of grace and faith is automatic. But when that legalism is present in our minds, we may start out with this beautiful faith, but then it, we start trying to, it, it gets voided out. The salt gets shaken on the fresh water. And the next thing you know, we don't have any faith. How is the enemy going to make you worried about 2022? He's going to get you looking at you. Have you done enough for God to bless you in 2022? <laughs> have you been good enough for God to bless you in 2022? Have you attended church enough? <laughs> have you given enough? Have you been kind enough? How I many know if you weigh you in the balances, if you're honest, you're not enough? Can I get an amen? Right? But here's the thing. Your confidence is not built on you being enough. Your confidence is built on Jesus being enough. See, the Roman soldier and the Syrophoenician housewife, they weren't thinking, am I enough? Have I kept enough feasts? Did I, have I done this? Have I done that? All they saw, they saw a hero. They saw Superman. They saw Jesus. They saw the Savior. They said, that man's a hero. He will save us. What happened? They had no law voiding out their faith, making them conscious of whether they were worthy or not. Are y'all tracking me here? All they saw was Jesus, and that's all they needed. And faith arose in their hearts. Amen? See, legalism has darkened our understanding of who Jesus is. 
And we think that he's some taskmaster that we have to earn from in order for him to touch our lives in order to bless us. How I many you know when the Jews looked at Jesus, they had a hard time for seeing him as he truly was? But when these Gentiles, who had no framework of earning it, no framework of legalism, they said, that guy's the Savior. And you know who else had a clearer version of who Jesus was? The sinners. I love it. The sinners. Did one Pharisee receive from Jesus? No. Did one Sadducee? No. Did any of them receive a miracle? Not one. Why? Too much legalism. Too much salt. No faith. But the leper? Lord, if you will, you can touch me and make me clean. Why? Because the leper knew he was not worthy to receive. Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, knew she was not worthy to receive. Peter, the angry cussing fisherman, knew he was not worthy to receive. Why? They, their failure got their eyes off of themselves and got their eyes onto the Savior, and faith arose. And there was a connection that was made. Think about the one with the issue of blood. Here's someone who's not worthy. She is unclean. In fact, she was in danger of being killed because she was in public with her issue of blood unclean. But she was desperate for a Savior. And so she broke the laws, pushed through the crowd, touched the hem of His garment, and Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. I mean, it wasn't her good works that made her whole. It wasn't her conduct that made her whole. It wasn't her synagogue attendance that made her whole. She saw Jesus as He was a Savior. And I love it. And He was unaware of her presence. But she saw Him as a hero and she accessed His heroship. He said, whoa, who touched me? And, he was, and, and, and everybody's like, Lord, everybody's touching you. What's up? You know? He's like, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched that part of me that makes me who I am. I'm a Savior. I save. That's what I do. Someone touched the real me. Rest of y'all, y'all touching the physical me. Y'all touching the carpenter me. Y'all touching the you know, Jesus from Nazareth me. Somebody saw me for who I was. And they came up and touched my garment and they received from me as I am. That's what faith does. Faith attributes greatness to our God. Faith attributes... Our, it sees our God as a hero. See, legalism makes heroes of men. Legalism, well, this preacher, he's awesome. He's holy. He's righteous. This worship leader, he's awesome. He's holy. He's righteous. This Sister so-and-so, she's awesome. She's holy. Listen, there are no heroes in the kingdom. There is a hero. His name is Jesus. The rest of us, we get saved. And we get rescued over and over and over again. And the crowns get laid at His feet because He's the only one worthy. Y'all tracking me here. And what legalism does, it, it muddies up the waters where we can't see clearly. And then we start looking at people as heroes. Listen, you don't need someone anointed to pray for you in order for you to receive. Now, I don't take away from the gifts in the body of Christ. I don't take away from the fact that you know, we have leaders and we have people that have ministry gifts. Those things are wonderful. But you can't build a cult of personality and have hero worship in the body of Christ. You have as much Jesus as you need right now on the inside of you. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't have to search out a meeting and search out a person and search out and try to find and all of these things. Christ is in you. you got a direct line to God. There is no more a middleman. Can I get an amen? you got it all right now. Now, yes, we have leaders, we have people that preach, we have people that teach and thank God for those things. We want to honor those things and bless those people and be grateful for those people, but none of them are your God. <laughs> you ha- your God is in you. Amen. Did you have something? Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. It, 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 and, and a great example of that yeah, anyone ever tried to find your glasses and they were on your head? Yes. Like, how many know you can search hard for glasses you already have and you won't find them? Because you got them. Isn't that crazy? You ever search hard for your keys that you already have? Or search hard for your phone? That was my next example. Where's my phone? I can remember one time we were at a youth camp 
And we were trying to find this kid's phone. This kid had lost his phone out in the woods. We were out there, and uh, we were trying to find it. It was dark and all that. And all of a sudden, I was like, where's my phone? I don't know where my phone is. I was holding my phone. It was in my hand. I was like, where's my phone at? I was like, oh, I was kind of embarrassed, you know. But I was like, I have my phone. But, but like you're saying, I mean, you know, if you're trying hard to get something you already have, you're not going to get it because you already have it. See, faith is not us trying hard to get something. Honestly, faith is realizing that we have it and resting in it. It's a rest. And, you know, and, and, and you're right. And, and your example is, is spot on because it's faithless to search and strive for something you already have. Faith brings the rest. How many you know you're not trying to get God to love you? How many know God loves you right now more than He, more, as much as He'll ever love you? He'll never love you more than He loves you right now. Now that's hard to believe, especially if you've been in legalism. Legalism says, well, Jeremiah, I haven't, 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 I haven't. All that's right, it's all about us. I forgot. <laughs> But that's what legalism does. When you are conscious of yourself and really your failure or your great deeds, amen, there's the timer. <laughs> it's okay. You're not going to have faith. You're not going to, to, it's going to void faith. And so to me, our develop, if it just takes a grain, if it just takes a mustard seed to do mighty things, then what if we renewed our minds to God's goodness and God's graciousness and grew in grace, then as a result of that, our faith would be mighty and our faith would be strong because there'd be nothing stopping us from receiving from our God. Y'all tracking me here? Because this passage says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you have something? Something that surrendered faith are hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's understanding that when you come to him, there's nothing I can bring. Mm. It's solely this one fact. He loves me no matter what. It's good. It's not it's not my ability to make anything right. It's not my ability to do. There's nothing I can do. Mm. It's all about him wanting to do everything for me. It's good. And then that in turn empowers me mm-hmm. to be all I can be. It's good. But it's not what I can bring. Mm-hmm. It's what he has given. It's good. And there's, unless a seed falls into the ground and withers and dies, it cannot bear forth fruit. When we have to let go of our ability to do mm-hmm. and trust in his ability in us. It's good. And that is the place of faith. Yeah. When I quit trying mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. supernatural thing. That's what we have to do in our hearts mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. is to be willing to look at that water and go and look at him mm-hmm. and trust his goodness and trust his love and say, okay, I'm going to step out. And you have to do that every day. You have to make a choice in your heart. Are you going to let go of the fear? Mm-hmm. You're going to let go of the uncertainty? You're going to let go of you having to do it and figuring it all out. It's good. It's, and when you do Peace like you've never known comes upon your heart. And there's nothing in the world, there's no circumstance mm-hmm. that can shake that peace because it's you and him on walking on the water. It's good. It's a good word, man. Thank you. You know, and, and the thing about it is, you know, like Brian was sharing in that example, how many know that Peter lost sight of Jesus because he got to looking at the wind and the waves? Yep. Right? And so, like, how many know that, that your life is a bringing your focus back to the Lord as yeah, your Savior. Regularly. That's actually what the gospel does. The gospel reminds you that your right standing with God is a gift that comes from Jesus. Yep. And if you're right with God, then you know God's going to take care of you, right? I mean, that's always the issue of breakdown. And the gospel brings your attention, your focus, back on the Lord. And Peter started out focused on the Lord, walked on the water, lost sight of focus on the Lord, sank, got his focus back on the Lord and got lifted up and they walked back to the boat together, right? So 
understanding who the Lord is, there's, there's going to be a continual, all of us bringing our attention, our focus back to Jesus as our Savior. And when you see Jesus as your Savior, you see him in his amazing grace, I mean, your faith is going to be strong. But if the enemy can get your attention on you, your faith will be weak. Because that's what legalism does. It puts your attention on you. Good things you've done, bad things you've done. How many know that can't be your focus? How many know God's not going to move on your behalf because of good things you've done? And that's that's a hard pill for for people to swallow. But that's not faith. You have to understand something. That's not faith. Now, listen. And see, when you preach this, it almost sounds like you're saying, well, just act any way that you want to act. Just do anything you want to do. No, no, no. No no stretch of the means. How many know that, that as I receive the goodness of the Lord and as I'm touched by the goodness of the Lord, how many know that makes me want to be good to other people? Can I get an amen? How many know that makes me want to be good to the Lord? Makes me want to serve God out of a pure heart, out of a place of I want to, you know? I want to live my life to honor His name. I don't want to, to, to bring disgrace to His name. I want to do the right thing because He's been so good to me, right? And so it doesn't discredit the importance of good works. It doesn't discredit the importance of our behavior. All these things are important. But when you're standing before the Lord, don't bring what you did to Him. Don't do it. If you do, you're trying to cut a side covenant with God. And God won't honor that. He, God honors His Son. He honors the cross. That's the only thing He honors. He's not going to honor a side covenant. Well, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I mean, well, that's not faith. What are you trying to do? You're trying to get a paycheck. You're trying to earn a wage. And I mean, if you're trying to earn a wage, you frustrate grace, according to Romans chapter 4. You know, it, it made it so clear to me one time when I, I really started understanding how entrenched in legalism I was as I attempted to, to um, pursue faith. Because really, grace sets faith free to be what faith is. Yeah. Faith receives yeah. a gift. Okay? But I can remember I, we, were, we were doing an outreach. I used to be in a band. And we'd travel and do ministry and stuff like that. And we were about to, to play and do ministry at this church in Ohio. And I had this horrible headache. I had this like awful headache. And I, playing music with a headache is not fun. Listening to music with a headache is not fun. And so I was in the, I was in the vehicle and the minister there was with me. And he was, he was you know, leader of the band and stuff like that. And he was also the minister. And, and uh, I was like, yeah, you know, you pray for me. I got this headache, you know. And he was, and then he, and then it was like, well, you know, have you jumped up and down? You know, have you, you know, have you, you know, have you, you know, done like this? And have you done, you know, in other words, like trying to do things to make your head hurt, to act, to show God that you were acting like you were healed. You know, because 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 you're trying to do all these works to prove you're healed. And but what 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 was actually being saying is. Have you convinced God that you're worthy of being healed as a result of acting like you're healed when you have a headache? Now, to some of y'all, that probably sounds crazy. To some of y'all, it may go right over your head. But if any of y'all are ever in that stuff, it makes perfect sense. And what I realized, even at that moment, I was just starting to get a hold of the gospel. I thought, I'm trying to earn something. I'm trying to convince God that I'm worthy to be healed. That's not faith. That is not faith. How many of y'all, that's not rest? That's striving. And I've started to just kind of catch a glimpse. See, God made this thing by grace through faith to make it easy. But we are, as human beings, we are notorious for complicating easy things. And we're notorious for finding a way that we can take credit for stuff. God introduced faith so that nobody could brag. Seriously, like this is the way, under the old covenant, you can brag. You're like, well, I kept eight of the Ten Commandments, and the two that I broke, I sacrificed a heifer, I sacrificed a turtle dove, I, 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 I'm clean, I'm good, I. But under the New Covenant, um, God introduced faith so that you, no one can brag. But we found a way to brag. Now we brag about how big our faith is. I'm a man of great faith. And it's like, He introduced faith so that we couldn't brag, and yet we found a way to try to boast. It's not the size of your faith. It's the size of God's grace that makes it all happen. Y'all tracking me here. If we can remove all of these legalism barriers out of our minds, then we will be people of great faith, just like the centurion man and just like the Syrophoenician woman. How many know the centurion man did not go to Bible school? 
Now, I mean, he did not sit in for, you know, four services a week. Because the other thought process is, you know, we just need to hear more word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, you need to hear more word. That's your problem. Well, dang, man, we were in church four days a week, four-hour services. Where were we not? I mean, you had to feed the kids three times. Not regular church service. We had to feed them kids breakfast, lunch, and dinner by the time the service was over. Children's church workers haggard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody had time for their families. Nobody even had time to witness to anybody because we were always in church. Church should bless your life and empower you so you can live the kingdom out there and not be in church 24 hours a day. And we were trying hard to get more faith, and we weren't. And here this centurion guy and this Syrophoenician woman can have one encounter with Jesus and have great faith. Clearly there's something that's wrong. What's the issue? We're not seeing Jesus as a gracious Savior. We're seeing Him as a taskmaster that we're trying to earn from. Y'all tracking me here? And if we can, get our, if we can grow in grace, amen, and, and see, growing in grace is not just growing in the concept of grace or the doctrine of grace. It says growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. How I many you know as you're growing in grace, you're actually finding out who Jesus is? What are you finding out? You're finding out that Jesus will save you and help you on your bad day. On your day when you messed everything up. On your day when you lost your temper. On your day when you said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, didn't come to church, didn't give, didn't witness, didn't do anything but eat pizza rolls. <laughs> On that day, if you'll allow it, and you'll believe in His goodness, He'll come in and rescue you and bless you. And you know what's going to happen to you if you can receive Him like that? You're going to fall in love with Him, and you're going to have a desire to serve Him because He's so good to you. I mean, you know, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads you to change. Y'all tracking me here. But how many know if that message can be misunderstood and the same accusation be made against what I just said that was against Paul? Because Paul preached the gospel, and so they said, Paul's saying, let us do evil that good may come. How I many know I'm not saying that? How I many know the apostle Paul's not saying that? He didn't say that. He said, whose condemnation is just? He's like, that's ridiculous. I'm not encouraging you to do evil. Amen. Amen. But what I am saying is that when you mess up and when you make a mistake, it's not greater than God's grace. And God's grace is greater than any sin that you can step in. Can I get an amen? amen. Why did the sinners have greater faith than the Pharisees and Sadducees? Because they did. How many of the lepers got healed? Prostitutes got transformed. Tax collectors received from the Lord. Amen. Why? Because they weren't coming to God based on their own goodness. Who do you see Jesus send away? The rich young ruler. Why? He came based on his own goodness. He said, he said how do we inherit eternal life? And Jesus didn't give him the evangelical answer. Because Jesus knew that he was in legalism. And he knew he had to come. How many of the law will bring you to the end of yourself? That's the purpose of the law, not to save you, to get your eyes off of you and onto the school, onto Jesus. The law is your schoolmaster. Jesus said, and, and, the, and the rich and really said, "Well, I've kept all the commandments." How I many? Oh, that's a flat-out lie. But here's the thing: self-righteousness and pride will lead you to delusion to think that you are awesome. How I many? Oh, there are some religious people on the earth right now that think that they are awesome. And how I many? Oh, you can't even stand to be around those people. I mean, there's no grace on those people or in those people or around those people. It's all, I am mighty, I am awesome. And how I many of it's the stench of self-righteousness and pride? And, but yet the sinners did not come to the Lord based on their own goodness. They came to the Lord based on His goodness. So y'all tracking me here. So once again, I'm not encouraging you to sin. I'm not encouraging you to, to do dumb stuff. I'm just saying that faith is activated by seeing the goodness of our God. By seeing the greatness of His grace. By seeing Him as He is. I can remember when I was reintroduced back to the Gospel, it's like this, this 20,000 pound weight just fell off of my shoulders. And I was reminded that, wait a minute, this is about Jesus, not about me. Because I'd, I'd put I'd under so much pressure in, in ministry, you know. 
I was, you know, I was, you know, an associate pastor of this church. I was running a youth group, running a feeding, uh, running a soup kitchen where we were feeding people. I was traveling and ministering. I mean, I was meeting myself coming and going, working so hard to be good enough for the Lord. And it was killing me. And it was killing my marriage, and it was just destroying me. It was legalism. And I hadn't had any relationship with the Lord because I was too busy serving Him. And then I heard the gospel again, and it's like, wait a minute. This isn't about me and how awesome I am. It's about the Lord. And that weight lifted off of me. You know what happened? Faith rose in my heart, and I had rest. You know what happened? Immediately, my marriage was better. Immediately, my own, my own peace of mind was better. My life was better. Why? Because I left legalism and went back into a place of relationship. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, how I many you know we can grow in grace? Right? And see, what, what happens to a lot of people because they don't understand the grace of God, they think it's too easy. They think it's too simple. They say, ah, no, no, no. That's... And, and, and so what they do is they, they really... And that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How many you know legalistic people will try to make you ashamed of the gospel? Well, that's just too easy. Well, you're just giving people license to sin. Well, 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 well. And then what, but what they want is they want something that they can take credit for. Yep. No, nah, we got to march around this mountain. No, nah, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. And they, wanna, they think they can graduate out of grace into deeper things. It's attractive to your flesh. It's attractive to your pride. But there's nothing deeper than Jesus. It's the truth. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people get a hold of grace and then, get, and then, then legalism come in and seduce them. Because it's witchcraft according to Galatians. Because it appeals to your flesh and your pride. And then there's like, no, this grace stuff's too easy. And just leave. And go right back into legalism. And take a couple and, and, and go around the mountain a couple more times and then come back. And, and, um, and I understand that. I mean, legalism is attractive. How many know legalism came in and subverted the entire Galatian church? And the, and the greatest preacher, probably ever, the Apostle Paul, was the one who laid the foundation. And still they were fooled out of it. They're like, no, nah, man, we need to be circumcised. No, nah, man, we need to keep the Ten Commandments. No, nah, man, we need to, we need to, we need to. How many know legalism is attractive to your flesh because it makes it about you? Grace doesn't make it about you at all and makes it all about Jesus. And how many know that's not attractive to your flesh? But that is the place where faith grows and where rest is and where really receiving the promises of God are. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, please. We can grow in grace. And as a result, our faith will be made strong. Hebrews 13 and verse 9, it says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that your heart be established by grace. Getting your heart established in grace. And man, it just, I just encourage you to do it. I mean, make the decision to renew your mind to the graciousness and goodness of God. Remove the enemy's ability to condemn you and, and just step away. Don't allow any legalism to come in. Because when legalism comes in, it voids things out. Remember how Dan preached last week about how legalism would, was coming in and robbing him of the enjoyment of his walk? So I just think we need to get better at locating legalism when it comes. How do you know you're in legalism? You don't have peace. When you're in legalism, you're scared. Because it's about you. When you're in the grace of God, you have peace and you're not afraid. There is, there is, a, there is a faith that's going to rise up on the inside of you. Because the enemy, he can't handle you in the grace of God. So he's got to try to pull you out. Because how I many you know in the grace of God, you're saturated with victory. You're, 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 you're very aware of Jesus as your Savior. And so he's got to try to pull you back into legalism. Because in legalism, the devil will kick your butt. How's he going to kick your butt? Well, he's going he's to put your, all of your attention and your focus on you. He's either going to condemn you into thinking you're not worthy to receive from God. Or he's going to create so much pride in you that you think that you're so awesome that you are going to receive from God based on what you've done and not what Jesus has done. Both are self-righteousness, right? That's what he's always trying to develop in us because he can't handle us in the grace of God, so he's always trying to get us out of the grace of God. And unfortunately, uh, some of the, the, the best instruments of that work are good people that don't understand the gospel. Amen? How many of the Judaizers that came into the Galatian church, how many of they were good people? 
They weren't bad people. They wanted to serve God, but they just didn't know how. They were trying to establish their own righteousness. But they ended up subverting and pouring salt into a pure mixture. And then Paul had to write the book of Galatians to try to correct them back out of legalism. And see, these were Gentiles. See, it's crazy. Like most of us, we have a legalistic background. So there's still those places in our mind that still think like legalism. This Galatian church, they were Gentiles. They had no background of legalism. But legalism was so attractive and so deceitful and so, and so slick that it managed to get back up in there and cause them to really turn their eyes away from Jesus to a different gospel. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, a, a, vast, a good portion of the churches in the world, they're not preaching the real gospel. They're, they're preaching a save yourself message. Self-help, all about you and what you can do and try harder and do more. And that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. And that's not the atmosphere where faith is really going to develop. Faith develops when you see Jesus. And you're not going to see Jesus apart from His grace. Amen? And I just, uh, I'm going to, I'm just kind of starting to, to, to wrap this up. But, but I'll just give you some Scripture references on some of the things that I just said. You guys don't have to turn there. But Romans 4.14 lets us know legalism voids faith. <clears throat> it says, For if those who are of the law are heirs... Faith is made void and the promise of no effect. Okay? Legalism voids out faith. How many know if I say you have an inheritance and you come to claim that inheritance and say, well, I'm getting this inheritance because I worked 40 hours this week? Here's my card 40 hours. How many know that that is not how you claim an inheritance? How I many you know when you claim your inheritance, you don't show what you've done. You show who you are. I mean, the inheritance isn't given to workers. The inheritance is given to children. Right? You know? When Sam Walton left his inheritance, he didn't leave his inheritance to his workers. He left it to those that were born of his seed. Right? How I many of those kids didn't come in there and say, well, I, you know, I worked 80 hours in Walmart this week, so I deserve the inheritance. How I many if they if they won't produce their identity card, but they produce how much they've worked, it's no longer an inheritance. It's now become a wage. They're like, no, we need proof. Obviously, everyone knows who the Walton kids are, and so they wouldn't have to produce proof. <clears throat> but if they did, and instead of bringing their identity, they brought their, their work record, I mean, you know, you can't receive an inheritance based on your work record. You receive it based on who you are. How, why are you going to receive from the Lord? Because you're a child of God. Not because you're perfect, not because you're awesome, because you're a child of God. Okay, get an amen. <clears throat> now, certainly as you receive the goodness of God, it's going to change you and turn you into a different person. Can I get an amen? And as you receive love, you're going to walk in more love. Your life's going to be changed. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. I'm a totally different person. Why? Because of the goodness of God, right? But, but, but just because I'm better, a better person now, I don't want to come receive from the Lord according to what I deserve. Y'all tracking me here? No, come receive from the Lord according to what the Lord deserves, according to what Jesus deserves. Thank you so much. I got so caught up playing with the kids, I forgot to get myself a water this morning. But how many know that it's easy to slip back into that mode? of what you deserve. You know why it's so easy? Because everywhere else in this life rewards you according to what you deserve. Your job, athletes, in school. And listen to me, that's okay. It's okay. You know, my son Ethan, he's going to get his grade. He's going to, like, when he, if he does well on the test, he's going to get a good grade, right? I mean, if he, if he plays good on, on basketball in practice, he's going to get a chance to play. So, the world does not operate in grace. And, and it's not supposed to. Right? I mean, it's okay for it not to be. But you have like this... How I many of the Bible says, the Lord said, my secret is with the righteous. How I many of you have this unlimited supply of grace that will make you a better performer? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? When I understand God loves me unconditionally... It will help me love my wife. 
When I understand God loves me unconditionally, it's going to help me to love my kids. When I understand God loves me unconditionally, it's going to help me to love the person that cuts me off in traffic. Right? So it will affect your performance, and it will change you. But you can't bring your performance to the cross. Please go ahead. Yes. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Sure. It's good. So good. It's true. Jesus still saved him. Now, how do you think that affected Peter next time? What if there was another, we don't know, what if there was another situation Peter had was, was asked to walk upon the water? Don't you think that would have made him a little bit more bold because his trust was no longer yes. in him? It's good. It's in the Lord because he knew even if he failed, Jesus would save him. It's good, man. So and good. And that's, that's where the boldness comes from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because even if I'm messing up, he'll make it right. It's good. And it gets your focus completely off of you yeah. and what you can do and what he's done. Yes. And what it does is it, it, it actually produces worship. Yeah. Because you, the Lord rescue you enough times, you'll start to worship him. <laughs> like for real worship him because he rescued you over and over and over again. So good, man. And, and really that grace dynamic of our failure and his rescue is what causes us to fall in love with him. And, and it also breeds within us a sense of faith and trust. Like, I trust the Lord. But not because of me, but because of Him. You understand what I'm saying? And like, and that's the beauty of it. But what legalism does is it robs you of that. Because legalism says, oh, you messed up, then you're out. Like, you're, you're cut off. You know, oh, you, you, you did that? Oh, you're done. And, what it, and so it, it completely, like Bambi was saying, it destroys the dynamic of relationship. Yeah. You know, it, 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 how many know God is more faithful to you, A, than you are to Him? But then also, how many know God's more faithful than any other relationship you have in your life? And, and, and so many of us, we've been in relationships where there wasn't faithfulness, and so now we don't trust relationships. And God's like, I'm a different type of relationship than you've ever had before. Amen? Uh, it's not based upon our perfect performance. It's based upon His. Amen? That's good. That's so good. Let me, let me, let me turn to uh, two more places here and we'll close. Turn to Romans 4, 15 real quick. But I think my, my invitation is, man, let, let's really get our hearts established in grace <clears throat> so that our faith will flow, man. And, and we'll, we'll be at a place of rest and trust and we're not going to live in fear um, in the days ahead. <clears throat> but Romans chapter 4, in verse 15, um, it's, it's just once again just talking about how legalism voids out faith. It says, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. 
We're no longer under the law, we're under grace, right? It says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure. What happens? Grace makes the promise a sure thing. Why? Because it removes the weak link, us. And it makes it about the Lord. Amen? Uh, Then turn to Acts 20 real quick, please. And we'll close right here. I'm just, I'm thankful for just how established in grace I have become because in the backdrop of my mind, it's not God's judgment anymore. It's God's love. I mean, it is. And and it's a change. It's taken me years to get there. Um, But now, like, I don't live my life on this tightrope concerned whether I'm going to be blessed or cursed or whether God's for me or against me. Now, I still have growing to do. I can still grow in grace. There's more... Uh, areas of my life where we want to remove that legalism and get that get that thing completely out of my thought process. I'm not saying I've arrived because I haven't arrived, but I've definitely grown compared to what I used to be in all the legalism that I learned. Um, but Acts 20 and verse 32, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all, all those that are sanctified. And, and, and what it does is it just it, it allows you to be confident that you're going to receive an inheritance. Amen? Are you tracking me? You're going to receive from the Lord. And it, and it really just it allows faith to flourish so that we can be like the Roman centurion, so that we can be like the Syrophoenician woman, so that we can have great faith. And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's just that we see Jesus as He truly is full of grace and truth. Y'all tracking me there? Anybody else have anything here in closing? It's good. It's good. That's right. Well said. Well said. And, and that's where it's really important to understand spirit, soul, and body too. And I'll just throw that in here real quick. Because your spirit is joined as one spirit to the Lord. You have your spirit, soul, and body, your three-part being. Your spirit cannot sin. It's been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Sin can't touch your spirit, right? Because you're joined with one spirit in the Lord. Now, how I many know you can sin in thought... And you can sin in action, but you can't sin in here. And this is the part of you that's completely joined to the Lord, right? So you can make a mistake here or make a mistake there, but it's not going to change the way God sees you in your spirit. Y'all tracking me here? It's really important to understand. Uh, that, that part of you can't be changed or can't be... So it brings a sense of security into your life and strength into your life. And then as you awake to righteousness and wake up to who you are, it's going to change the way you think and it's going to change the way you act. You tracking me here? So I, I just wanted to bring that out. That's really good. Connie, do you have something in closing? Um, I just have been thinking about grace lately and just made a life that grace is that divine influence that's on my heart. Mm-hmm. And it will be reflected in my life. So I like the fact that my behavior, when I'm acting drunk, I don't like it in front of Jesus. I'm, I need your divine influence in my heart right now because there's such and such and such and such that's going on. Yeah. That, that it's, you see and hear things happening, or, or just, just what, what all the, the strife and the hate and the bitterness and things around it that it really influenced my heart when it works with that, when you divinely influence my heart so that it doesn't become me. That's right. I, I'm not acting out, out of what's going on around me. That's good. Mm-hmm. But the boat is steady because of Jesus' presence. And so I'm just sitting in the boat, relaxed, as long as I know He's 
good. So good. So good. Excellent. It's not just in the boat. He's also on the water. Yeah. Amen. He's, he's in, in him we live and move and have our being. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. He's, it's like what Arthur Mendia said. Mm-hmm. If the Lord were to step outside of our reality, we would cease to exist. He's so faithful. Mm-hmm. He surrounds us on every front and every side. It's good. And, and what all this fear and all this garbage is, it's just a blindness to that. Mm-hmm. To realize that he is faithful. Mm-hmm. He cannot be anything other than that. Mm-hmm. The, the, earth, the, 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 the earth is the Lord's and the, and the fullness thereof. I mean, mm-hmm. He fills everything and anything, everything around us. Us, this, he's here now, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Constant, always. It's never, mm-hmm. it's never a question of whether he's there. He's always there. Sure. Religion tries to get us to drum it up as though we have to make him come mm-hmm. and make him do when he's already there. It's good. He's in the boat. He's in the water. He's under the boat. He's holding the boat up. He's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to discredit what you're saying at all. I hope you don't know that. I'm just saying. No, it's, it's two examples of two different two, 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 metaphors. Right. To, to make much of what you're saying. He is so faithful. In his faithfulness, we get focused on him. You want to deal with your failure in your life? Get focused on his faithfulness. Yeah. They'll destroy the failure in your life because it's about him. It's good. It's and good. That's how it is. It's good, man. It's good. No, you guys are saying the same thing. It's just different. What she's sharing is a metaphor, and what you're sharing is is not a metaphor, but actuality, because the Lord is everywhere. Um, it's good. Both are good. Amen. But but the revelation of God's faithfulness. Um, beyond our ability to earn it is really where grace is at, man, and uh, knowing that he's with you and for you, amen? So what we want to do is let's, let's, let's continue to renew our hearts and get our hearts established in grace, and let's allow our faith to grow so that we can overcome, and not only overcome for ourselves, but how many of there's a world out there that needs us, amen? We're the salt and the light, man, and uh, great days are ahead for the body of Christ, amen? There's a lot of people that are going to need Jesus, and we're going to be right there to, to, to lend him a helping hand and to help him. And don't allow your own failure to disqualify you from being the hands and feet of Jesus because Jesus never had a perfect vessel. We are earthen vessels. Amen? It's good. So, awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's, uh, I just want to pray real quick. Father, I just, we just thank you that you continue to help us renew our minds and get our hearts established in how good you are. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you help us to do that, Lord, and cause us to hunger for that. Let our hearts be established in grace. And Lord, I just thank you, Father, there'd be no separation. You help us just void out and get rid of any, any forms of legalism, Lord, that are going to cause us to doubt uh, your goodness, Lord. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for your help in doing it because we can't do it on our own. And we acknowledge you in it. We thank you for helping us renew our minds to that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to give an all this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Uh, those of you that are online, if you guys want to give, you can go to gracepointgeorgetown.com. You can partner with, with us. Those of you that do partner with us, thank you so much. I did not get a giving envelope this morning, so I do need one. Don't usually forget that. Can I get a, an envelope? Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. You might eat too much over Christmas. <laughs> Anybody struggling with lying? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, though. Can I get a pen, too? Thank you. And we got to bless all those families that we uh, adopted for Christmas. So thank you guys who gave. We really got to bless.